this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. On this particular Sunday, my good friend, Paul Stippick, came to us to talk about how to stand in an unjust world. You got to know who you are, and you got to know whose you are. Man, it's good stuff, and I hope his message is a blessing to you today. Good morning. My name's Amber, and I'll be starting us off with some scripture. Genesis 13 through 19. Genesis 3, 13 through 19. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is that that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat. All the days of your life I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not, or you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Amen. Thank you, Amber, for doing that and reading that. Everyone give Amber a hand. Two times in one day, and she killed it both. That's awesome. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Paul. But before we get started, let us pray one more time. Jesus, thank you for allowing us to be here. I pray that you would remove me from this stage, that what would be remembered is not anything of what I say or anything of what I do, but the truth that you speak through me. God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts for this For this topic of standing in an unjust world, I pray that you would prepare our minds, God. I pray that you would help us be brave. I pray that you would help us do dangerous things. I pray that you would consume us with your love, with your mercy and your grace. And because of that, Father, I pray that we would be able to show that love, mercy, and grace to those that are around us. Thank you for everything that you are doing today. Amen. So as I said, my name is Paul. Uh, I'm super excited to be here. And for those of you joining online, excited to be with you all as well. I'll have a directive for you about 10, 15 minutes because there's going to be some silence when we do a practice this morning here that you all obviously can join in online as well. But my name is Paul. I've been here before. It's exciting to be back. I'm excited that Steve and a whole bunch of your congregation and staff get to be over in Israel, getting to see some of the things that Jesus would have seen and saw over 2,000 years ago. What an amazing experience. And so because of that, I get to be here today and we're talking about standing in an unjust world. So standing, this is one of the ideas and topics that Steve has been bringing up with you all. This idea of you're not going to stand on sand. You know, you don't want to build anything on the shaky, unfirm, sandy ground. You want to build something on a solid rock. And so we're going to be taking a step today and looking at what that means. What does it mean to stand in an unjust world? 
I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, right? We have all these things that are happening around us, and it really was promised to us from the beginning of time. Let's put up Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 on the screen. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Another way, another translation is, he shall crush your head. Jesus Christ is known as the snake crusher. And so it is something that was prophesied about Jesus Uh, multiple times that he would crush Satan's head and Satan would bruise his heel. But from the very beginning of time, there is enmity. There is a battle. There is a war raging on between not flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of darkness against us and Satan and his demons. And so I want to describe what enmity, enmity means before we go on. And enmity means this. It is a state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Again, it is a state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something from the very beginning of time. God said there is going to be enmity between Satan and us. There's going to be a battle happening in the in-between. And that's what we're talking about this morning because we live in an unjust world. There are hundreds and thousands and millions of atrocities and injustices happening all around us. We see it when we look on the news and the fact that there were 19 children brutally murdered and two adults at an elementary school not so long ago. We see it when we hear about the war in Ukraine with Russia and you have thousands of people dying needless deaths every day and you have millions of people displaced. You have, you have uh, homeless people walking around our streets and people with mental issues and disabilities. You have all of these things that are happening. You have people being judged just because of the way they look, just because of what they believe, just because of how they sound, just because of their profession. You have all of these big, world, fantastic, unbelievable, stupid things that are happening around us. All of these injustices. But sometimes you have small ones where someone calls you a rude or a mean name or maybe your family or friends are at an event and you're not there, not because you didn't want to go, but because they didn't invite you. Or maybe, maybe there's something, it's, it's still big, but small enough where it's you have an allergy and you can't have certain items. Like my daughter, she can't have eggs, nuts, tree nuts, or dairy, or else she'll go into anaphylaxis. There's these big unfair injustices that are happening all around us. And then there's also some small ones too. But regardless, what are we supposed to do? God, what are we supposed to do when we see people being murdered? God, what are we supposed to do do when people are being judged unfairly? What are we supposed to do when we see someone homeless walking around us? God, what are we supposed to do? What what am I supposed to do, Lord? I I just don't know. And we get an answer in Micah chapter six, verse eight. And so this is the true foundation of, that we're building right now. Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with a calf a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, uh, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall, I don't know, God, shall I give my firstborn of my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Breathe. Micah responds with this. He has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? It can't be that simple, right? To do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly 
with your God. It, that, that doesn't really make any sense. I mean, Paul, I'm this, I'm this broken vessel. I, I, I sinned on the way here. I mean, my goodness, I was using language that I shouldn't have used. I was responding to my kids the way I shouldn't have responded. I looked at that woman over there with a little bit of lust and she's not my wife. I, I did something last night that I really shouldn't have. I went a little bit too far this one time. God, I'm this broken, unclean vessel. How am I supposed to bring about justice? How am I supposed to bring about love or mercy or any of the things that you want me to do? God, what am I supposed to do? Do justly, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. This next scripture that we're going to build upon now. So we have this foundation. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God promises that there is going to be a battle between the devil and us. From there, we understand that we have a response to do justly, love kindness, and walk humbly with our Lord. And now we're going to be looking at Psalms chapter 139. And a few verses in there. And the reason why is because if you want to bring justice to the world, you have to have a correct understanding of who you are and whose you are. If you do not understand who you are and whose you are, it is going to be incredibly difficult for you to bring justice into this world. Not impossible, but unbelievably difficult. So let's read Psalms chapter 139, verses 13 through 18 says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. And this is a beautiful, incredible picture because you need to understand that you are a son or a daughter of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in his perfect and flawless image. You are royalty. You are a son or daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You are royalty. You are flawless. You are fearless. You are brave because you have a God who loves you and, is and wants to have this relationship with you, a God who pursues you. You need to have this as your understanding if you want to bring any sort of justice to the world. And so in a moment, we're going to put up a slide um, and it's going to have the words lies and truth. If you look at your handout, it's the same thing. On one side, it says lies. On the other side, there's, or on the other side of this line, it says truth. And so what I want you all to do in a moment, not right now, in a moment, what I want you to do is write the lies that the devil has been feeding you. Maybe it's something that your spouse said to you the other day. Maybe it's something that your family members have been speaking over you for decades, or maybe it's a friend, or maybe it's some random stranger, but what are the lies that the devil has been feeding you? And what is, what are the truths that the Lord wants you to know, that the Lord wants you to live by, that the Lord wants you to understand. Maybe it's the truth that you've been so ignorant and stupid that you just are being hard-headed and you don't want to hear them for whatever reason it may be, but what are those truths that the Lord has been trying to speak to you? So in a moment, not just yet, in a moment we're going to be doing that. You're going to write down the lies and you're going to write down the truth. For those of you that are watching online, it's about to go silent because we can't have a song uh, playing in the background. Otherwise, it'd have to stop, copyright infringement, yada, yada. But for those of us in this room, we're going to have the song playing so there's not this awkward silence amongst friends. And so in a moment, we're going to key up the slide. The song is going to play. But before we do that, I want to pray Psalms 139 over us. And then after that, we can start. 
Because what I realize is that the lies, they're going to come fast for a lot of us in the room. It's going to come like a fire hydrant, and they're just going to blow out. But the truth, it may not even drip. It may not even come. So let's pray this over ourselves this morning. God, for you formed our inward parts. You knitted us together in our mother's womb. I praise you for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw our unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for us when as yet there were none of them. How precious to us are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If we would count them, they are more than the sand. We awake and we are still with you. So just kind of finish up writing that last thought if you don't mind. So like I said, there are lies that we've been believing for a while and as I was preparing this this talk, I, I wrote down some of them but that the devil has been feeding me some for my entire life, for others not as long, but still some that I fall into this trap of believing multiple times. So my lies that I believe, they could resonate with some of you or with none of you, but here we go. You're fat, you're unhealthy, you're a horrible provider, you have a bad job, you're a bad son, you're a bad father, you're a bad husband, you're a selfish manipulator, you're arrogant and cocky, you're never going to accomplish anything of value. You're fear-filled and anxious. But I know that's not me. I know there's a truth. And these are the truths that I get to believe and I need to be reminded of believing. Paul, you are made in the perfect image of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are blessed. I mean, look at the wonders that you've been able to be a part of. Look at the impact that God, that I have allowed you to have. Paul, you're, you're, you have parents who want to be around you. You have kids who actually miss you when you're gone. Paul, you have a wife of 12 years who speaks love and truth over you, whether you are in her presence or out of it. Paul, you may be broken, but you are clay to be molded. Molded. You are generous and thoughtful. Value is not in what man says. Your treasures are being laid up in heaven where your true blessings are. Paul, I, the Lord, am the ruler of all, and nothing is dependent on you. We need to latch on and hold on to these truths if you want to bring about justice in this world. Because if we fall into this pit of lies, how do you expect to love? How do you expect to show mercy? How do you expect to show God's goodness if all that's consuming your mind and thoughts are the lies of the enemy? So before I move on, I want to mention one last story of Psalms 139. As I mentioned in the very beginning, my daughter, who is six, she has allergies, eggs, nuts, tree nuts, and dairy. Those are four different allergies, and it's not like, oh, she gets it. You know, she has a little scratch. She goes into anaphylaxis. So they're pretty, they're pretty important for us to know about and monitor what's going on around us. And so we were at a s'mores cookout at one of our neighbor's houses, and she comes up to me and says, hey, Daddy, you want to know why Jesus gave me allergies? Sure. 
Tell me. Jesus gave me allergies because they make me strong and they make me brave. It's a truth that our neighbor spoke over her because she, the neighbor, has a daughter as well that has allergies. Those are the neighbors that we need in our lives to speak the truth of God because yes, my daughter has allergies, but doesn't that kind of go against Psalms 139 that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, we're knit in our mother's womb, we're, this, we're made in the image of God? No, 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 no. The world is unjust. So yeah, it stinks that my daughter has allergies. It may stink that you may have some other infirmity or some other disability or whatever it may be. This is an unjust world. But you are still fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, in his perfect, amazing image. You need to understand that because that is, again, part of this foundation. And once we understand that, we can start moving to this next part. And this next part, it's incredibly dangerous. But I would recommend it for every single person in this room. This next part. Let's throw this slide up on the screen. Pray dangerous prayers. Pray dangerous prayers. What, is, what does that even mean, Paul? It's silly, it's kind of ridiculous, but what is dangerous prayers? Praying a dangerous prayer means this, that if it was answered today, that your life and the circumstances around you and others would look drastically different. Praying dangerous prayers means this, that if it was answered today, your life, the circumstances around you and others would look drastically different. A lot of us, myself included, all we pray is 50,000 foot surface level prayers of God. I pray that you would bless us today. I pray that you would give us safe travels down to the beach for our vacation. I pray that you would let this food nourish our body. I pray that you would help, you know, uh, me with the test tomorrow, with this tomorrow. And all of those prayers are important. And all of those prayers, they need to be prayed. But that's where a lot of us stop. If that prayer was answered, would your life really look that much different? Would the lives of others around you really look that much different? No. If I make it safe to Florida, no one, no one's affected, no one knows, no one cares. And so it's praying these dangerous prayers. And we're gonna look at two different scriptures. We're gonna look at Galatians chapter five in a little bit here. Uh, but before we get on that, I, I chose these two scriptures because to me they're incredibly foundational if you are an apprentice of Christ. Obviously there's millions of scriptures that we could have chosen, but the reason why are these two that we're gonna be looking at. It's because they're foundational, because one, it looks at the character traits of who God is, and the other one lets us know that we are in a battle, and it is fierce. So let's read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I love this verse because as we look at all the fruits of the Spirit, this is exactly who we want to be. We want to be someone filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's who we want to be. It's these 
It's these dangerous prayers, and this is one of the prayers that I pray over myself and my family every morning. I get up and I go through these lists of prayers, and it's, Lord, I pray that you would pour the truth, that you would cover us in the truth of your word of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, that you would fill us with this. Lord, I pray that we would reflect all of these traits, that we would be love, that would be kindness, gentleness, self-control, peace, patience. God, I pray that that would fill and consume us. And I want to encourage you guys to pray the truth of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24 over you every morning. And then I want you to ask yourself one question at the end of the day. Ask yourself, ask God this one question, how did I do? Because the truth about prayer is they may not be answered how we want them to be answered. And what I mean is this, I was going through this season in, in life where I had just covered, uh, long story short, nine months for, uh, for two different ladies. I had to be trained and then I covered for them, one while she was out on maternity leave and the other while she was out on medical leave. And so once, you know, each time I'd have a conversation with my boss and say, hey, you know, I did this. Everyone said I did really well. Is there an opportunity to join this team? No, there's not. Second time, hey, everyone said I did really well. You know, is there an opportunity? I know you said there's nothing to do over here, but what about this? Hey, Paul, you know, there's, really, there's some talks, conversations happening, but right now there's really just no place for you to move. And so I started praying this prayer because I was reminded of it when I was going through this devotional during this whole season, and it brings up this image of a tree. And the reason why trees are grounded and have deep roots is because when the wind blows, obviously it needs to stand firm. It doesn't need to blow over with the roots just dangling around out for everyone to see. And so the point of it was this, ask for God to ground you and deepen your roots. And so in this season, I'm praying, God, I, I, I pray that you would ground me and deepen my roots. Ground me somewhere else in another company and deepen my roots. God, ground me and deepen my roots. And I began to pray this breath prayer. So that, And what I mean by breath prayer is this, that every time I would inhale and exhale, I would have that phrase with me. It's ground me and deepen my roots. Ground me and deepen my roots. So as I was walking throughout my day and as I was breathing, I could pray this small little breath prayer, this small little phrase as I was inhaling and exhaling. I could pray this truth that God had given me. And so within 36 hours of praying this prayer, the VP of sales for the company that I currently work at calls me, says, hey, do you want this job? And so we start talking about it in the back of my mind. I'm like, God, I don't know if you remember my prayer, but I said, ground me and deep my roots somewhere else at another company with a great, comp with a great culture and a great this and a great that. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I know what you wanted, but I, but I know what you need. I know what you need, Paul. You need to be grounded where you are, and I'm going to deepen your roots and give you a stronger community where you are at work, a stronger community where you are in your neighborhood, and a stronger relationships with those that you are around. It's praying these dangerous prayers, and like I said, they may not be answered in the way that we want to. So this, this love, this peace, peace, this patience, this self-control, you're like, okay, God's just going to give me that. Not necessarily true. It's not going to be answered in how we want them to be answered. And that's the reason why I wanted you to ask that question at the very end of the day. Well, how did I do? Because sometimes I knock it out of the park. But more than not, I don't. I realize that my kids will ask a ton of questions or something will happen at work and I'll respond in anger, I'll respond in frustration. In the Paul of six months ago, when I started praying these uh, prayers over myself and my family, uh, when I started praying them, I, completely different than the Paul I am today. Because when those moments would happen, when I would get frustrated, when I would get angry, I would respond in anger, I would respond in frustration, and then I would just walk out of the room, walk out of the door, like, say my piece and I'd be done. But now, 
when I've been spending time in the presence of the Lord, when I'm able to reflect his goodness, when I'm able to reflect all the things that I want, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when I'm able to reflect that, the only reason why is because I'm spending time with God every single morning in praying this over myself and my family. So now when those moments happen, it's like I get this out-of-body experience where time starts to slow down and I can see it happening in front of me. And then I get to have this heart check and this gut check and say, whoa, 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 slow down, breathe. And I can respond, hey, you know what? I'm so sorry, son. I, I didn't mean to yell or I didn't mean to respond in, in anger or frustration. Can you forgive me, number one? And this is how I should have responded initially. The Paul of six months ago would have never in his life been able to do that. But the Paul of today can because I'm spending time with the Lord on high. If you want to be more like Christ, if you want to be this apprentice of Christ, but you're not spending time with him every single day, I don't know how you're going to do it. Well, Paul, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like him and show love and joy and peace and all of those things. Paul, this is what I want. Well, I would ask you, are you spending time with him every day? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you meeting in community? Are you doing these things with others that glorify God and his body? If the answer is no, 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 then I couldn't tell you how you're ever going to bring any justice into the world. Because how are you going to reflect the only person who can give and bring justice? So prayer, it's, in, it's incredibly dangerous because it actually requires something of us. So this next scripture that I want to read is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel." for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The first point that I want to bring up from this scripture is this. There's only two kingdoms. There are only two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And there's nothing in between. There's only the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And there's nothing in between. So in the mornings when I pray this, I say, God, I, I just pray the truth of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 over me and my, my family. I pray that it would wash over it. But here's the thing. My daughter, who is six, has not accepted Christ into her life yet. 
And so when I start praying this prayer, I say, God, I pray that you would turn her heart towards you, that she would know your love, that she would hear your wisdom so that she would hear you and that she would accept you as her Lord and Savior. Because I don't know if you all know this, but we have nothing to do with anyone's salvation except for our own. Only God can turn a heart towards him. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for our kids. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for our sons and daughters, our friends. So every morning I'd say, God, I pray that you would just turn her heart towards you. God, I pray that you would just let her love you. And I know um, that obviously it has to be, that the, the order is, you know, accepting you, Lord. But I also pray for my son and her that you would lead them eventually to, to baptism. So they could further their relationship with you so that they could really show the world and tell the world that they are apprentices of you. And so as I'm praying this over my family, as I'm praying the armor of God to protect us, over us, that's also some of my prayers. When it comes to the helmet of salvation, it's Lord, I know that she's not yet, but I pray that you would put the helmet of salvation on her. God, I pray that when you put the shoes of peace on me, that peace would, where I am, peace would be and would follow me. These are dangerous prayers that I'm asking you to pray. Let me give you a, a one example from my life. It's, I'm a part of a community where there is 618 homes. And one of the things that I've been praying for these past six months and more is, God, I pray that you would turn the hearts of everyone in these 618 homes to you, that you would rain your love and your peace down, Father God, that I could be a part of a community, God, that you would purify our hearts and clean our hands, God, so that if you want us to heal, we can heal. If you want us to cast out demons, we can cast out demons. God, if you want us to reap the harvest, let us reap the harvest. And I've been praying for revival for our 618 homes. So as I've been praying the fruit of the spirit of myself and my family, as I've been realizing that there is a battle that I'm waging every single day with the devil, because in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, I realize and see that there is enmity between myself and him, that, there, that he is coming for me. I need to be coming for him as well by arming myself with the armor of God. So as I'm praying these prayers over myself, over my family, I have never in my life felt such spiritual warfare. My relations, some of the relationships around me seem like they're crumbling, they're being stressed, some stuff is happening <clears throat> at my job and at my work. There's, there's litigious situations that are being brought up. It's this fear and this anxiety that is consuming my mind and my soul and I'm worrying about things that I shouldn't worry about. And it's all this spiritual warfare because I'm putting myself at the tip of the spear. What I am asking of you today is to stand in an unjust world and that means you are going to be at the tip of the spear where the devil doesn't want you to be so he is going to be doing everything in his power to knock you off. I mean, when I was preparing, like as this week was coming to ahead and when I was knew I was going to be doing this, seven days ago I had this cold and the sniffles and then I've been pushing myself hard in some other areas. And you know what? It could have just been a cold and some sniffles and a cough here and there. But I, I don't actually believe that. What I truly believe is that the devil was doing anything in his power to keep me from coming here today and sharing God's truth. Prayer. It's seemingly easy, but it's really not. Prayer is dangerous. Prayer requires us to die to self every single day. Prayer requires action and discernment, which is the next fill in the blank. 
Prayer requires action and discernment. And what do I mean by action? I mean this. So part of the prayers that I get to pray every morning is, you know, Lord, I pray that you would give my wife and I wisdom for how, to how to be generous. Give us wisdom in our generosity. Where should we give? What should we do? And I was praying this. And, you know, the crazy thing is for three months, I would pray this and our giving budget just kept on increasing, 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 and it never went down any. It's like, what's going on, God? I mean, what's, what's happening here? You have to act. Prayer isn't just speaking words out into existence. It, it requires you to act. Prayer requires us to act. And I realized that, and so my wife and I have now had, started having discussions. And so we're being very mindful of where our giving is going. But prayer also requires discernment. Just because you're praying for something doesn't mean it's going to be answered tomorrow or answered in the, how you actually think it should be. So one of the things that I pray is, Lord, I know that prayer requires action, but let me know what you want me to act on today and what you want me to wait on and give me the wisdom and discernment to know which I should do. Prayer requires action and discernment. You need to act. You can't just speak things into existence, but you also need discernment to know that maybe you shouldn't take action on that just yet, but you need to continue to pray on it. Because the truth is, some of our prayers that we're asking they may not even be answered in our lifetime. Prayer is dangerous. It requires so much of us. It is a daily sacrifice for you to die to yourself every single day. So why would I even ask us to do it? Because it helps bring about justice. Prayer requires community. And that's the next fill in the blank. Without prayer and community, there can be no justice. Without these two things, without prayer and community, there can be no justice. It requires all of us getting together. And the reason why community is so important is because we were made and created in community. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to throw it up on the screen says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let me repeat that for those of you who didn't see the highlighted words. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. From the very beginning of time, we were in community. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, sixth day of creation, said, let us make not a good creation, but a great creation, an unstinking, believable creation in our image. You are designed for community. You and I are meant to live in community. In fact, the only reason I think that is is because of the final fill in the blank. The reason to be in community is to remind. The only reason we are in community is to remind. As I was creating this, this talk, I was also reading this book. It's called A Lineage of Grace, and it talks about five different women from the Bible, and it's a historical fiction. One of the things that kept on being brought up was this idea of them constantly reminding each other of God's goodness, especially when the stuff hit the fan, when everything seemed to be flying off the, the wheel, when, when it just didn't seem like it was supposed to be happening. They would remind each other of God's goodness. In fact, Psalm 78, there's 72 verses of reminding. Remember when God freed us from Egypt. Remember when God sent the plagues. Remember when God parted the Red Sea. Remember when God allowed us 
to walk around a city and the walls came crumbling down and the only people he saved were a prostitute and her family. And from that woman came the lineage of David and from the lineage of David came Christ. God is intentional with using every single person that he decides to use. They may seem like broken pottery. They may seem like broken vessels, but we are clay to be molded. We are beautiful creations that are made in the image of our flawless and perfect King of Kings. The reason to be in community is to remind. And so we're going to end with one more practice that we're going to do together or one more activity that we're going to do together. So in a moment, it's going to go silent for those of you who are watching online. But this next one, it's going to be called Memories of God's Goodness. And so it's at the very bottom of your sheet. And what I want you to do is write down memories, whether it was an hour ago, whether it was five years ago or 50 years ago. It doesn't matter to me. But let it be a memory of God's goodness. And I want you to write it down. So in a moment, again, take your pen, take your paper, write down some memories of God's goodness that we can remind each other of. And so community, like I said, the reason why we're in it is so that we can remind each other because there is injustice happening all around us. Things in life just aren't fair. But we need brothers and sisters to come alongside us and to remind us, hey, I know you're going through this, but remember God's goodness. I've actually been there before, and I'm on the other side. So I want to share some memories with you guys. So it was almost 11, 12-ish years ago. Uh, my wife and I, we've been married. Uh, we, we got married a year or two, and we're in our first home. And I was in this insurance job, and I transitioned to full commission right around December. And I don't know about you, but what are parents buying their kids in December? Not insurance. Definitely not insurance. And so it was the season where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not really making many, many sales. I don't, I don't know what to do. And I started having this worry and this fear. And I mean, I was staying up late at night being, just praying, God, what are you going to do? What, what am I going to do? God, what do I need? I don't, I don't know what's happening. And I was bringing up this story as I was, uh, you know, creating this whole thing. And my wife is like, yeah, when you were doing that, I was in bed just so worried and afraid. And it was, I didn't even realize that she was in the other room worried and afraid about what's going to happen to us because I'm not pulling in any money. Like, I, I didn't know what was going to happen and all that. And then all of a sudden, my boss at the time pulls me in and says, hey, I know we switched you to full commission around this time. And it's a really, really slow time for insurance. And uh, I, I just want you to know, I, I see you with the work that you're doing. And here's a $2,000 check to cover the expenses for this month. God is good. We're in this neighborhood, like I said, of 618 homes, and we moved there uh, because we wanted to, you know, be a part of a community that had, you know, tennis courts and a swimming pool, and, and we wanted to be able to be a part of our neighbors and, and have a lot of fun, and we were there two, three years, and, you know, we made some connections, but it just really wasn't working out, and then all of a sudden, COVID happens, and it's like, oh my sweet goodness, how are we going to meet people now? But the crazy thing is, is that in the moment when everyone was being secluded, we actually met neighbors who we've become besties with, neighbors who we do life with, who we play tennis with, who we get to go down to the swimming pool with, who we get to have fun with, neighbors who I'm going out and going golfing with on July 4th, praise God from whom all blessings flow, the best way to celebrate America. 
So we get this amazing community, even in this season where it didn't seem like it was possible. And then I have a blessing or story where I obviously already shared it in the beginning, Psalms 139, my daughter, she is a brave, brave little girl, even in the midst of her scary allergies. But my son, my son is, is, is eight years old and he is a person who fights for the weak. And so we were at the playground uh, one day and I love it because as every single one of us in this room knows that if a girl calls a boy a poopy head, it means that they like him. And then if, uh, you know, it's like if they slap him in the face, it actually, oh, that's actually a love tap and a love touch. It's like, it's all those things that actually make zero sense in the world, but somehow it is. But so what was happening though, is these boys were actually being pretty, pretty rude with some things that they were saying to the girls that were there. And, and my son goes, Hey boys, you need to stop being mean and calling those girls names. And I love it because my son is fighting for people. My son realized that there's an injustice, no matter how small it is, is happening, and he fights for them. He fights alongside them. I love that. But these are great and fun stories. But outside of the fact that my in-laws own a cabin up here in LJ, I'm not here that often. So one of the things that I want to ask is what stories do you all have? Got a microphone. Is there anyone in here that would be willing to share a story of God's goodness? A story of what God has done in their lives. So I'm going to come down on the stage and I don't just want one person to, but if it's only one, that's fantastic. But so as I'm coming down here, after this gentleman shares his story, what I want you, by the way, sorry, people on Facebook, you're totally not seeing any of this. You'll hear it, though. Um, but what I want you guys to do is once he's finished with his story, I'm going to say, and everyone said, and everyone in this room repeats, praise God, may he do it again. So let's do a practice. This is an amazing story of how God has done some unbelievable things in this gentleman's life. He finishes it, and everyone said... Okay, let's try just one more time to really get the emphasis. And everyone said? Praise God. Awesome. So real quick, not real quickly, but share us a little bit of your story. Uh, it, it's really a multiple, myself and my wife. I had a minor problem that I didn't understand. And we, health problem, and we kept chasing it. And Finally, they sent me for a stress test because every other thing didn't show anything. And the stress test showed that I had a heart issue. And we didn't know I had a heart issue because it didn't impact anything, had no pain, I had a triple bypass, and I'm healthy. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? Because that symptom made no sense. Yeah. of me having a heart problem. The same, my wife had appendicitis. Okay, you go in, you get your appendix out. Well, if she hadn't had appendicitis and they hadn't clipped off the end of her colon, they would have never known she had cancer. So even before we knew anything about these, both of them are clear and we're healthy. Awesome, and everyone said. Before I go back up there, are there any other stories that anyone wants to share? 
Boom. Fantastic. We're going to keep you from lunch all because we're going to talk about God's goodness for a little bit. No, kidding. You're going to have lunch. It's all right. My name is Dale. And in September of 2015, my husband had a stroke and died the next day. And the same day he had his stroke, I suffered an aortic dissection and didn't know it. I was in the hospital with him and doubled over in pain. And the nurse is like, are you okay? I'm like, no, something's going on. So I went eight days before I went to the hospital because I had to bury him. Hmm. 95% of people do not live to make it to the ER with an aortic dissection. And I've, this September will be seven years. If you make it to five years, that's a big deal. But God has blessed me so many ways. I moved to LJ in 2018 by myself. And on January the 1st, 2019, went on a hike and met this amazing man. And we were married in April at this church. And it's been such a blessing to be here. God brought me from not knowing what was going to happen in my life to having the greatest life ever. Absolutely. And everyone said, Praise God. Again. We have time for one more story. Anyone? Anyone else want to share? Anyone? Anyone? I'm getting up here. It doesn't mean you can't share. Yes! Boom! Um, my name is Kimberly, and this happened to me years ago. And, you know, people have, you know, health issues. This is something so little, but it was a reminder to me. And it's only a God thing. So I had this little pearl necklace, and it was a very rare, and it was given to me by somebody special. And I was walking my dog, and I lived in an apartment. And there's huge fields. There's just everything where I was walking downstairs and fields where there's grass this tall I got back to the door and my pearl was gone I was like oh no and this happened while I was walking my dog and I was like oh no Jesus please help me with this find my little pearl and I, I retraced my steps everywhere I went in that field I'm just looking how am I going to find this teensy tiny little tiny pearl and I just gave up. I mean, I looked everywhere, and I was upset. I was sad, and I was like, oh, no. And I came to the door again, and I, I literally stood here at the door, and I looked. I said, please, Jesus, let me find my pearl. And I opened my eyes, and that pearl was sitting right there at my toe, and it was not there. And there's no way that anybody could have put, their, put that there except for Jesus. Yeah. And, and it just reminded me that no matter what we're going through, even Jesus cares about the little, tiny, dumb little things that we don't even think of, yeah. you know. He just takes care of us, Absolutely. you know, it, because my little concern about that little pearl, that was Jesus's concern too. And uh, it's just a, a, remi a reminder to me that no matter how little or how big, if it's a concern for me, it's always a concern for Jesus too. And that was truly a miracle. Yeah, this. absolutely. And everyone said. I hope you guys don't take that lightly because there's stories of health, there's stories of this, and what a great story because you could, well, I could talk about another 30 minutes, I'm not, uh, about, you know, the lost, the lost coin 
or a lost pearl or the lost sheep and Jesus searching out for that one missing thing, that one missing person. There's going to be moments when life seems like it's over, but it's not. But it's in those moments when you guys can come around each other and say, hey, I've experienced the loss of a husband randomly. I've experienced health issues. I've lost prized possessions. But there is something great. Here's the truth. And it doesn't take away the injustice. It doesn't make the injustice any better. But it builds this community of people who understand that there is something greater. That there is someone, some king that brings hope and life and peace to everyone. We all may not experience, realistically, we're all not going to experience justice right now or soon. But there's a very just God who is calling us to do justly, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. One of the things that we've been dancing around and really looking at the whole time is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the king who would love the lame, the lepers, the prostitutes, the people that no one wanted to. He's the one that got on a cross and was nailed to a cross. And the only reason why he stayed up there wasn't because of the nails, was it was because of the love that he had for us. Mm-hmm.